you're talking about having these conversations with loved ones who are coming to you with a difficult situation or feeling bad. And we want to right away, we're going to like, how can I fix this for them? How can I relate to what they're going through and give them some good advice so that they can fix it and feel better fast? And what the, the downside, the potentially, you know, harmful part about positivity in this case is that it's invalidating. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think that you're going to love this conversation. This was really eye-opening for me. Did you know that you can actually be too positive? It kind of seems like an oxymoron in some ways, but we're talking about how too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. And it sounds a little crazy, but the buzzy term for this is called toxic positivity. And I will tell you what, I am totally guilty of this. It's when we layer on the good to try to fix someone's bad feelings or sad feelings and try to fix them and make them feel better. So I know I do this, but why do we do this? Well, today, clinical psychologist Natalie Christine DeTillo is here to break this all down. She explains what toxic positivity is, why we do it, and what we can do if we want to stop putting this toxic positivity into the world and into our relationship. She's going to help us be better listeners and even help us prepare for the holiday season ahead. You know the season when you're supposed to be happy all the time, happy, merry, and jolly? It's always the case for everybody, and she's going to tell us that that's all part of being human. We don't have to feel great all the time. It really challenges us to look closer at our language and our conversations. So here is my chat with Natalie Christine. Natalie, hi, finally, welcome to (laughs) the mom cave. Hi, Maria. It's so good to be here finally with you. So I read this article that you had written called No Bad Vibes Allowed, The Downside of Positivity. So automatically, Mm. right, I say the downside of positivity. How could there be a downside to positivity? And then I dig deeper and find out about this concept called toxic positivity. So to start, let everyone know what toxic positivity is. And then I'll tell everyone how I am such a culprit of it. (laughs) Toxic positivity is the belief that the best, or in some cases, only way to cope with a negative situation is to put a positive spin on it. And I think that we do this. I, for one, do this all the time because quite simply for no other reason than I want the person to feel better. I don't want anyone to have the bad vibes. I want them to feel good. So I'm a fixer. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us can relate to this. I love the analogy that you gave in this article about ice cream. Can you share with everyone that analogy? Because I think that totally sums it up. Mm -hmm. If you're generally a positive person, it doesn't, you know, it comes naturally to us to want to fix and to help other people feel better. And ice cream is a great example because ice cream is delicious and who doesn't love ice cream but you can't take ice cream and shove it in somebody's face and have them you know enjoy it or expect them to even eat it if they don't want ice cream right if they're totally full on ice cream and you're trying to feed them ice cream too much of a good thing is not a good thing exactly too much of a good thing 
is not a good thing. So why do you think that we're having this conversation right now about toxic positivity? Because all of a sudden it is one of those things that you start, once you see it, you're going to see it in a lot of different places, a lot of different articles. You'll hear people talking about it. So why now? Great question. I've been thinking a lot about that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic Mm -hmm. and the fact that people are getting tired of being told how to feel. And this idea that it's going to get better and cheer up or look on the bright side, it's hard to do that when there is no apparent bright side. And sometimes the best way to cope with a difficult situation is just to acknowledge that it's a difficult situation. And if we could all get on the same page about that, then maybe we could work together to find a solution or to solve the problem. And I think when someone comes to you with a problem, it can be hard to acknowledge the difficult situation because you're already so busy trying to fix it for them that Mm -hmm. we're not hearing them and responding to their feelings. And so then they feel like their feelings aren't valid. Is that kind of the main thing? That's the main downside, really. If you're talking about having these conversations with loved ones who are coming to you with a difficult situation or feeling bad, and we want to right away, we're going to like, how can I fix this for them? How can I relate to what they're going through and give them some good advice so that they can fix it and feel better fast? And what the, the downside, the potentially you know harmful part about positivity in this case is that it's invalidating. It can be insensitive and your loved one is going to feel unheard. And it's inadvertent. I mean, our intentions are good. Our intentions in the right place. We want to help our loved one feel better, but it can backfire if we're not really listening to what they're telling us and asking them instead what they need. Yeah, we don't like to sit in our feelings. I think as a society, no one wants to feel bad. And so we talk about all the feels, but Mm -hmm. we don't want all the feels. I think we just want the good feels and we don't want anyone to have the bad feels. As a society, we put a premium on feeling good, on positive feelings and feeling good. And if you're not feeling good, something must be wrong. Either something's wrong in general or something's wrong with you. And so feeling bad is often associated with weakness or inability or problem of some sort, when it might actually be the most appropriate thing to be feeling in that case. So hearing this from a professional psychologist saying it is totally normal to not feel good all the time. It doesn't mean that you're clinically depressed. It doesn't mean necessarily you have to go on medication or run to a therapist right away. That's a very normal feeling that a a healthy person should have the feeling of not feeling great all the time. Absolutely. There's nothing clinically wrong with feeling bad from time to time, especially if a situation or circumstance would dictate that. It might be weird. You know, if something bad happens, you get bad news. You have the worst day ever and you're not feeling a little bad about that. I would be worried. I'd be a little concerned about somebody that's feeling good all the time, even when things in their life aren't going that well. Yeah. And especially what's been going on in the world in the last couple of years, pandemic and social unrest. And there are people who are sick every day. You turn on the news and there's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a tough time for a lot of people. So I would imagine there's a lot of people who are having those feelings. It's okay to be affected by those things. I think that's what makes us human. I think that's also why now is the time that we're paying attention to these things differently is that we are having a universal experience. And I think it is okay to be affected by things that are going on in the world that aren't so great. So we were kind of talking about relationships, adult relationships, I think up until this point for the most part, but now let's put on our parenting hat for a second and think about how this comes into play with our children. 
I, for one, have had to practice not saying, oh, you're okay. You're okay. When my child falls, we're so quick to want to bypass the feeling of it all to say you're okay. And that's just a small example. I think of um, probably how we need to work on this whole concept of toxic positivity in parenting. I've had to actively retrain myself to not do that. So I have two little ones and when they would get hurt, they would fall down, they would cry or something's going on and they're being affected by it. We very quickly want to just tell them and basically reassure them. I think is what we're trying to do is reassure them that you're okay. It's okay. But what we're doing is essentially invalidating their big feels in that moment. And if they fall down, they scrape their knee, they hurt themselves. They're not okay. They're not feeling okay. They're in pain. They're crying. They're scared. And the best thing that we could do is probably just acknowledge that for them and say, oh, you fell down. That must hurt. Can I, can I kiss it? Can I make it better? What can I do? And I see that you're crying and I know that probably doesn't feel good. So that's an interesting distinction, right? There's that line between positive reassurance and starting to make the child feel better and then just letting them have their feels and saying nothing at all. So how do you know which is which? A little bit of trial and error. Sometimes it'll, you know, it it may just depend on the situation and your child and your relationship with them. But a couple of things are happening there that I think are really important to keep in mind. You're not going to be able to fix it for them. And so what you're allowing them to do is learn how to tolerate things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant and potentially painful. This is a really important skill and it's why, and we and it's part of the reason why we have toxic positivity as adults and this idea that we need to fix things fast. Our inability to tolerate things that are uncomfortable or unpleasant starts in childhood. So there's a link between, you know, how we're learning to deal with difficult situations as a kid translates translates into how well we're able to do that as an adult. So we want to give them the opportunity to learn that skill and that starts, you know, at fairly early age. The other thing that we can do if we want to reassure them is reassure them that it will be okay. It may not feel okay right now. Ah. You may be hurt right now, but it will be okay. This idea that it won't be like this forever. And I believe in you and your ability to feel better or to fix this eventually. Gives them some hope. And confidence in their ability to to deal with difficult things when they happen and you're not around. So we've established that so many of us are quote unquote fixers and we don't want to have bad feelings. We don't want our friends to have bad feelings. We don't want our kids to have bad feelings. We want to bypass all of that and put a little bow on it and, and get past the problem. So in your professional opinion, if someone comes to you with anxious feelings or something sad or traumatic going on in their life, what can we do? What are some actual tools to be the better friend, the better parent, the better listener in this situation? The goal is to validate your loved one's experience. And it could be something as simple as I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Sounds like this is really difficult. I can't even imagine. Just sort of reinforcing that, like, I hear what you're saying and it doesn't sound great. And I'm sorry that that's happening for you. That's the point where Mm -hmm. the person, I'm picturing friends who come to me with big stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, with things like that. And I feel like if you give them that opportunity at that point, that's where they break down. When someone's actually heard them and given them that moment of space. And so I think a lot of times I avoid that. 
because I'm, mm. I'm afraid of the breakdown, but in probably reality, that's a very healthy place where we should be. And not every conversation in every setting is going to lend itself to that. I mean, yeah. it, you know, you might want to time, you know, timing is an important factor here and being able to let somebody kind of open up and just sit with them. Sometimes right. not saying anything at all and just sort of being with somebody and listening to them and listening to really understand where they're coming from instead of listening to fix or offer a solution is a totally different type of listening. Yes. I'm not good at it. It's not easy. Especially as an interviewer, right? I'm listening, but I'm also thinking of where we're headed next. It's a definitely exactly. something that we can all work on and every relationship in our entire life. So what about what's going on on the inside? Can we have toxic positivity in our own thinking? Is that mm -hmm. possible? Yes, in the ways that we can deny our own experience and make ourselves feel bad for feeling bad. So we can have bad feelings. We can feel sad. We can feel scared. We can feel angry, all the feelings. And then we can layer on top of that more bad feelings because now we feel bad for feeling bad. We, you know, we feel guilty. We feel shame. We judge ourselves. What's wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? Why can't I feel better? Something must be wrong. Especially when you look around at your life and you see everything else that's going on in the world right now. And you think, I am so blessed. I am so lucky. Why am I not the most grateful person at every second of the day, like skipping mm. around, you know, throwing rose petals? I hear this more than almost anything else because I have no reason to be feeling like this. Mm. I have no reason to be feeling bad. So something must be wrong with me. I must be weak or inadequate or something along those lines to be feeling as badly as I do. But then I'm sure too, and probably an important distinction to make is there is a difference. And I'm sure you do see patients who are having feelings like this more often, and it is beyond what you would consider the norm. And those people should seek some professional help, right? I think when the distress that you're experiencing is significant and it's beginning to impact your life in negative ways or ways that are just not ideal for you. So it's impacting your relationships, your ability to, to work, to, to function optimally or the way that you would like. And the amount of distress that you're experiencing is going up instead of down, despite your best efforts to feel better or cope. It's always a good idea to, to talk to your doctor, to reach out for help and say, I'm really struggling in this area. I'm not really sure why, but it might be helpful for me to talk to somebody about that. Is there something about gender with this? I'm just thinking from my unprofessional point of view over here, that the women I know tend to be the fixers and men in general, don't come writing me letters, people. In general, not the best listeners, but at least appear to be better listeners because they're not busy fixing it. <laughs> In my experience, I, I, I tend to see it the other way around or when I'm working with couples oh. or I'm working with women and their partner is not hearing them. It does tend to be in those cases that men are quick to fix. Women oh. do tend to be better listeners, but I think you're, but, but moms, moms are fixers. So we want to, we want every, we want people to be happy. We want people to feel better. We are sort of the social glue from time to time. And so if people aren't having an enjoyable time or feeling bad, we tend to put that on ourselves. 
Absolutely. And in general, society has always told us that positivity is a good thing. I mean, this was really the first time that I ever even considered that you could have too much positivity. It just, it seemed like an oxymoron to me. But then when you think about it, it's smiley faces everywhere and have a nice day and all of these different things we see. Do you find that problematic? Well, there a while back, there was something called the power of positive thinking. Right. And it shifted people's perspective around thinking positively and putting a positive spin on things and how powerful and beneficial that can be. Like glass half full, glass half full. like the gift and things like that. Is that what you're like? Or positive like the manifesting, secret, the law of attraction, the positive vibes, you know, you attract, you know, if you, if you want to have the law of attraction. All of that, right? Okay. So that that was huge. That was very influential in many ways. That's great. We might have swung a little too far, <laughs> perhaps. So being positive is not a negative thing. Being positive and being a positive person is totally fine. And I don't want people to feel bad if they're positive. But there's also a difference between being an authentic, being not genuine, or even sort of denying the reality of a situation. And I think that's where we get ourselves into trouble. But you can be optimistic. You can be hopeful. Those are, those are great qualities to cultivate and great ways of thinking. But both of those require you to deal with the situation at hand and the reality of that in order to plan for the future, prepare for the future and, and solve the problem and be hopeful that you can do that. And all of this is going to definitely take practice like anything. I mean, just today, my co-worker <laughs> lost his pants. <laughs> it's actually a very funny story. He lost his pants on Boylston Street. They like flew off the hanger, not off his body, but he was very upset because he lost his favorite pants. And I fixer was like, well, maybe it's meant to be, maybe you were meant to wear the denim pant today and you're going to like it better. And I had to stop myself because I knew we were having this conversation. I said, oh, how do you feel about losing your pants? <laughs> Such a good example. example. But Such a good example. Such a, an everyday example, right? Where you can practice stopping yourself from trying to make that person just automatically feel better about the situation that may be really upsetting for them. It was very upsetting. And who, but who among us hasn't lost a pair of pants and boils? <laughs> <laughs> it's very relatable. Very yeah. relatable. Okay, so we've established there really is no fast fix, but we can certainly practice this new way of thinking. So what are some suggestions for us as we move forward with this? So I have a couple. And the first is pretty simple. The first is to just get comfortable and curious about what it is that you're feeling. We aren't really taught much about our feelings. So one of the best ways to get more comfortable with all with the range of things that we feel is to just spend a little time each day getting curious and ask yourself, how am I feeling? How am I doing? What am I feeling? Can I identify a couple of words to describe how I'm feeling? And to just get into better practice doing that. And you can ask your kids too. How are you feeling right now? Can you give me a couple words to describe it? And what you'll find a lot of the times is that you're actually feeling pretty good or you're feeling sort of what we would call neutral. So not having a strong sense of emotion or feeling in one direction or the other. You might even begin to ask yourself, is this a pleasant feeling or an unpleasant feeling and move away from words like positive and negative. Replace them with pleasant, unpleasant. You could even look at, uh, examine like whether it's a strong feeling or a weak feeling um, and really kind of begin to move away with this idea that there are better or worse feelings than others. 
Like the other that. thing that you can do if, if this idea of fixing it fast is learning how to tolerate things that are unpleasant for longer and longer stretches of time. One of the best ways to do this is through a little bit of physical discomfort. So when you notice that you're feeling a little bit physically uncomfortable, can you tolerate that without needing to fix that situation fast? And a really benign example is if you notice that you have an itch somewhere on your body. In fact, just saying that you might even be noticing now that there's an itch on the side of your leg or maybe your forehead or something. It's just getting your attention, right? Just a little bit. It would be so easy to just relieve that by scratching the itch. And what you could do is just practice not doing that for a, a, a length of time, a short length of time and see what happens. Sometimes what happens is it goes away on its own without you having to do anything. How many of you and out my, there are itchy right now? Because as soon as you said that, I'm like, my back itches. It's oh. kind of a fun practice, but it is it translates into our ability to tolerate difficult emotional feelings too. Even something like exercise or physical exertion is a great way to practice putting a little bit of discomfort, tension or stretching, something like that. It's not painful, but something that's a little uncomfortable or unpleasant and get better at not having to fix that. Practice pushing through a little bit a little of that. Bit. Yeah, not, not in a painful way, but something that feels a little unpleasant, a little bit uncomfortable. You don't have to fix it right away. And every time you resist doing that, you get a little bit better. So with the holidays here, it's a stressful time of year for a lot of people, but also a time of year where I feel like there's a high expectation for a lot of things, but also to feel really good and jolly and cheerful and festive. I imagine that can be a tricky time for people. It absolutely is. It's the most wonderful time of year, don't you know, right? Of course. So the holidays come with an extra helping of toxic positivity because the expectation is that you should be feeling happier or jollier than you might actually be feeling. And so this Happy time Happy holidays. Year, I mean, it's right Merry there. Christmas. right? It's, it's, it's expected, right? And so the gap between how you feel and how you actually feel and how you're expected to feel gets really wide this time of year. And that can actually backfire and we can end up feeling worse. This was such an interesting conversation. I'm so glad we got to do this. Dr. Natalie, let everyone know where they can find you out there on the interwebs for more information. So I have a website, Dr. Natalie Christine. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, Twitter and LinkedIn. Have a super awesome, fabulous day. <laughs> you too. <laughs> have I learned nothing? <laughs> that's a wrap for this episode of mom to mom the podcast as always you can binge all of our mom to mom podcast episodes wherever you find your podcasts and if you're in the boston area you can watch mom to mom the tv show yes this is all on tv on mondays at 11:30 a.m on nbc 10 boston all right thanks for joining me today and i'll see you next time on mom to mom